This morning we are going to be concluding our sermon series that we've been uh, doing the last five, six weeks, Come to the Table. And uh, the last couple of weeks we've dropped in on several different meals. We dropped in on a meal that Jesus was having with some religious leaders. And then we dropped in on a meal that Jesus was having with some tax collectors. And last week we dropped in on a meal that Jesus was having with some disciples. And one of our takeaways from this sermon series is that that Jesus loves to sit down at a table with people, and that when he does, great things happen at the table. Uh, I'm going to invite you to switch the metaphor, uh, because you as adults are able to do that, switch the metaphor of the boat and exchange it for the metaphor of a table. Great things happen at the table with Jesus, and there are seats for everyone at the table. It's a big big table. So this morning, as we close, we're going to close with one more meal, uh, and it's going to be a meal uh, with 5,000 people. So this is a large meal. And and, uh, in the Gospels, this story shows up in Matthew, it shows up in Mark, it shows up in Luke, and it shows up in John. There's not a lot of stories that, that all four Gospel writers have said, I want to include that that God is leading me to include that in my gospel. But this is a story that that every single one of them included. So join me as we pray for the the reading of uh, God's word. Uh, Lord, we have sung this morning about your Holy Spirit coming down. And um, Lord, we don't want these to just be words on a page, uh, but we pray that your spirit... uh, would inspire my words, and and we know your words are inspired, and that you would um, cut across the the landscape of our heart. Lord, renew our hearts, renew our minds. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Before we jump into the story, I want to take you to another passage, because the passage is kind of like the background music of the story we're about to read. Uh, Sometimes background music, you don't notice it unless you stop and you listen very carefully, and then you notice the background music is there. So I want to stop and pay attention to the background music of the story we're about to read. The background music is a psalm that you're familiar with. It's Psalm 23. Uh, And so let's begin by reciting this together. The words are up on the screen. Uh, Join me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that is the background music. It's playing right now as we go to the story, as we go to the scripture, and we slowly work our way through. Pay attention to the the background music. We're going to choose Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. 
And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Twelve disciples, it says, had just report, returned, and they're reporting to Jesus everything that they've done. And this is the first time that we read that they are called apostles. Uh, the, the literal meaning of apostle is a sent one. So we could substitute the, the word missionary. So the missionaries have just returned. Jesus has sent them on their first mission trip. He had them count off by sixes. He has six groups of two, and he sends them out. He says, take nothing with you. Go out, share the word, come back. And so now they're coming back, and they're coming back with stories. I love, one of the things I love that I've shared about this many times is that this happens early on in the ministry with the disciples. Sometimes we think this idea of going, of being on mission, of being a missionary, it's something that, that only happens, you know, when I get to like the 401 class of discipleship. But Jesus reveals that this is not discipleship 401, this is discipleship 101. They've been following him for a short time and he's already sending them out, so it's going to be burned on their head that, that who we are are our apostles were missionaries we are called to go and they go and now they come back with stories which is one of the things that happens when you go the stories happen as you go they come back and some of the stories are, are stories of success and and seeing powerful moves of the spirit and and no doubt there's some stories of things didn't go so well and, and it was a struggle but they come back with all of these stories. One of the, uh, the truisms of our faith is that, that faith grows through exercising faith. It's like with anything. If you want to learn how to ride a bicycle, you ride a bicycle. If you want to learn how to drive, you have to drive. If you want your faith to grow, you've got to exercise faith. Because if I put myself into the, the shoes of those disciples, I'm thinking, no way. I need a few more Sermon on the Mounts. Like, you want me to go? I'm not ready. And, and, and so I, I, I feel the reluctance just bubble up in my own soul. I'm sure they're experiencing some of that as well. But they go, and then they come back with these stories. You, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, are called to be a missionary. That's not a 401 thing that maybe someday you'll get there if you mature enough, if you really are hungry enough. As a disciple, right where you are right now, wherever you are on that spectrum of faith, as a disciple of Christ, you are called to be a missionary. You're called to, be, to live your life on mission. You're called to go. I'm not saying that you need to go to, to Thailand. Maybe God will call you to do that. Uh, God will call you to cross some boundaries, even right here in our own community. But I want you to think about the places that you already go. Uh, think about, you know, you students. We have a lot of students here. Uh, going to school. Going to school as a student is different than going to school as a missionary who's also a student. 
going to the grocery store to get hamburger helper, which I haven't done in a long time, but I'm always tempted, is different than going to the store as a missionary who's getting hamburger helper. Going to the workplace, going to your job where you punch in, where you spend 40 plus hours a week is different than going to your job as a missionary who's working 40 hours a week. Coming to the, the table Wednesday night for a, a good meal and for some fellowship is different than coming to the table as a missionary who's also seeking to enjoy a good meal and, and some good fellowship. You see, being a sent one, being a missionary, it's not really something we do, it's something we are. It, it's our core identity, which then impacts everything we do. Everything we do, everywhere we go, the way we show up is impacted by, by who we are, and Jesus is, is very intent right away to just drill it into the minds of the disciples, this is who you are. We are a people who go. And then we have stories. Uh, one of the stories that uh, I'm celebrating right now, uh, a few weeks back, Chef Marty, uh, who's here, was um, cooking for us for a Wednesday night. And he was out in the parking lot bringing in groceries or something and, and met a, a young woman, Bree, sitting up here in the front row. And they struck up a, a conversation and Marty invited Bree to come that night to uh, the community supper. And now fast forward only, what, six weeks, and Bree is a friend of our congregation. Uh, Bree's gonna get baptized next month. All that has happened because Marty wasn't just a chef cooking a good meal for people. Marty showed up as a missionary who was disguised as a chef cooking a, a good meal. And so we have this wonderful story because of this impulse to, to go. The disciples come back with their stories. And I have to imagine Jesus is rejoicing with them. I mean, it makes Jesus so happy. The stories aren't about how great the disciples are. The story is about how great God is. And, and they're rejoicing, but they're also tired. We read that the disciples have not eaten. They're hungry. And there's all of this commotion. People are coming and going. Jesus sees that his disciples, they need a time out. And so he comes, being the good shepherd, he comes up with a plan. He invites them to a quiet place, to a, a remote place. He invites them to the, the, the green countryside. He's going to set a table before them. Do you hear the background music? We have a, an expression in our house. Uh, we talk about being Disney-tired. Uh, a number of years ago, when our kids were younger, we were at Disney, and it had been a great day, but a long day, and at the end of the day, uh, we got into the, the shuttle that takes us back to our, our hotel, and we climbed in, and we were, we were spent, and we all sat down in the seat, and nobody said a word to anyone. We were just like in this stupor, and, and we've forever, we've now called that Disney tired. When we get to that point where we're just absolutely spent, we're we're Disney tired, and the shuttle took us to the hotel, and how good it was to, to enter into the hotel room and have a, a comfortable bed waiting there for us. The disciples, they're spent. They're Disney tired. 
Let's get out of here, Jesus said. He's the good shepherd. He's going to take care of his sheep. He's going to take them to a quiet place, a solitary place. He's going to lead them to the quiet waters. He's going to take them to the green pastures. He's going to restore their soul. He's going to set a table before them. It's going to be awesome. Verse 33, how good it is to be a sheep of his fold. Verse 33, many who saw him leave recognized him and they ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them this is not a miracle by the way sometimes we read that and think like they had superhuman speed no they're just they're just getting away from one point on the sea of galilee to another point and all of the people know where they're going and so they get there ahead of them when jesus landed and saw a large crowd he I don't want to finish that sentence. He. It's like the, the Disney shuttle has left Disneyland. Everybody's on board, and instead of dropping them off at the hotel, it circled back to Disneyland and said, get out. It's round two. So before we see how Jesus responded, let's try and get into the heads of the disciples. Let's put ourselves in the boat. You're tired, you have not eaten. I mean, you're rejoicing, you've got some great news. Fortunately, the shuttle shows up and, and the shuttle driver says, let's get out of here. Let's go to a quiet place where we're gonna just have some R&R &R and we'll have something to eat. And you show up and lo and behold, there are all the crowds. So how do we finish the sentence? When the disciples landed, and they saw the large crowds, they, go ahead and throw out something, they what? What do you think? If you're the, the person in the boat. What? They groaned, ugh. Yeah. What else, they what? Yeah, don't get out, keep going. <laughs> go to another solitary place. Yeah, they, they maybe said, keep going. They maybe said, oh, would you people go away? Leave us alone? Maybe they're annoyed. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they're exasperated. And we get it. We don't fault the disciples. We understand. They were, said they hadn't eaten. They were hungry before they even left on this journey. And so now this hoped-for rest and relaxation looks like it's going to have to wait. It's game on again. Let's see what Jesus does. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion on them. Uh, this week I was at a, a seminar and our presenter asked us a question that as uh, a room of pastors that, that honestly we struggled with. And he asked us, what, what do you think it's like to be someone today who doesn't know Jesus? And, and maybe because we've been following Christ for a long time, maybe it's because the circles we run in, we had a hard time answering that question. And eventually our, our presenter said uh, this, which, which was a kind of a bold statement. He said, the reason that we don't share our faith more proactively, he was talking about church planting, the reason 
Churches don't plant other churches. Only 7% of churches ever plant another church. 93% aren't even thinking about it. So the reason we don't do that is because when we see the crowds, we don't have compassion on them. So we don't love them. Jesus sees the crowd and he has compassion on them. The scripture says he looked at them and what he saw was sheep without a shepherd. So let me ask you, what does a good shepherd do when he sees sheep without a shepherd? Come on in. A good shepherd, when he sees sheep who don't have a shepherd, his heart goes out to those sheep. He wants to take care of the sheep. He wants to invite those sheep in to be part of the fold. And so he has compassion on them. And so they got out of the boat and he began to engage with them. 35, verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So he's been teaching them many things. By this time it's late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and they can buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. So again, let's get in the, the heads of the disciples. Maybe they really are concerned about all these people. It's getting late. Those people hadn't eaten in a long time. There's no grocery store right down the, the trail. And so they're concerned about them. Send them away so they can take care of their needs. Maybe that's the case. Or maybe they're just done. Like they've had enough. Send them away because we're hungry. Because we need a break. Because we need rest. Whatever the motive, it doesn't really matter. They're looking at the good shepherd and they're asking the good shepherd to send the sheep away. Send the sheep away. And the good shepherd looks at the disciples and he invites them to think not like sheep, but like a shepherd. You feed them. But that's not the job of a sheep. It's not the job of a sheep to play the role of the shepherd. A sheep's job is to, to receive, take care of me, feed me, lead me to the table, lead me to the green pasture, lead me to the quiet waters. Thank you very much. And I will, I will look to you, good shepherd. Well, Jesus is taking that paradigm and he's assigning some new responsibilities. Yes, you are a sheep, but I'm going to ask you to be a sheep who looks after other sheep. I'm going to ask you to be a sheep that thinks like a shepherd. You feed them. You see, there's other sheep that aren't in the lifeboat, that aren't at the table, and they're in need of the table. They're in need of the green pasture, just like you are. They're in need of the quiet waters. They're in need of having their souls restored. They're in need of a table. So if you're going to think like the sheep, what do you want to do about that? Jesus said, feed them. What he's inviting them to do is become owners. Do you know when you're an owner, you show up differently? And if you own a home, you show up differently in that home than if you're renting the home. If you own a car, you show up differently in that car than if you're, you're borrowing, borrowing a car. Owners think differently. Owners have a, a responsibility you feed them, be an owner, think like a shepherd, 
up until this point, they've been pointing out the problem, which is frankly so easy to do. It's easy to point out the problem. Everyone's an expert at pointing out the problem. It's getting late. Everybody's hungry. We've got a problem. Jesus asked them to think not just about the problem, but the solution. What's the solution? As Christ followers, as a church, we're called not to just identify the problem. We're called to be part of the solution. So the, the disciples think, well, money is the solution. And it's going to take a lot of money to feed all these people. In fact, it's going to take a half a year's wages to feed all of these people. And remember, Jesus, when you sent us out in Paris, you told us not to take anything with us. So our pockets are empty. So, so money is not going to fix it. Jesus said to them, don't think about what you don't have. Let's start with what you do have. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And so they go and they find out we've got five. We've got five loaves of bread. How many fish? We've got two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and they're satisfied. And then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten were 5,000. So this is 5,000 plus people. So what are we to, to take away from this as we conclude our sermon series? Jesus calls us to be part of the solution, not just identifying the problem. And he enlists us to join him in his role as being a shepherd. We are called to be sheep who take care of other sheep. We're called to be owners. We're called to be missionaries. It's easy to focus on what we don't have. Do you know that the number of churches with under 75 people is like 85%? There are a whole lot of churches in our country who are lamenting right now, what, what do we have? All we've got, they're looking out and seeing 75 people or 50 people or 30 people. We don't have enough. Jesus started with 12. So instead of thinking what we don't have, let's think about what we do have. And then we take what we have and we entrust it into Christ's hands. And this is the, the same person who turned water into wine. The same person who takes two fish and feeds 5,000 plus people. The same person who creates a world with just a word. So he invites you and I to the table, to the lifeboat. And then he invites you and I to extend that invitation, not to stretch out on the lifeboat, but to invite others to, to join us, to invite others to join us at the table. It's a big table, and the last word of the sermon series will be, there's still room. There's still room. Join me as we pray. Lord, um, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, uh, it is in your heart to take care of your sheep, and Lord, we are blessed um, to have such a good God looking after us. Uh, but Lord, help us take that next step to, to think 
like you do, to be, uh, to be one of your sheep who cares about other sheep. Lord, there, there's still room at your table, so we pray that you would use our church with all of our limitations. Uh, we pray that you would use each one of us with all of our limitations. Uh, we bring what we do have into your hands, and then we trust you to multiply it so that your kingdom might grow and for your honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.